The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We'll get you ready for Packers and Bears talking storylines and everything else. We'll talk about Rogers' comments, which I think is a storyline within itself. Uh, so we will discuss that. We'll discuss quarterback, other quarterback health like the Bears, discuss their defense. We'll highlight some of the Packers' struggles there. So yeah, it's going to be a good start to the pod. And then we'll talk about Chris Middleton's return, why it's coming at the most opportune time. College football playoff looks ready to expand to 12 starting in 2024. We'll react to that. And I'll talk about how I've got bullied about my Spotify rap at the end of today's show. Before I get going, just a reminder, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, we'd really like to see some Spotify raps on listening to Tapping the Keg Sports. I didn't see any. I'm not going to be mad about it. I'll tell you why. Because we don't have long shows, right? Like, you, if you listen to Part of My Take, Ryan Rosillo, Bill Simmons, those are all, like, probably in my Spotify app. I listen more on Apple, so I, I don't have that sort of same data from a podcast perspective. But all those podcasts are anywhere from an hour to two-hour shows, right? I, I rarely think they have an hour show. And we go 40 to, you know, 42 an hour, um, give or take. But we only do an hour once a week. So it's not like it's not like we're having hour shows every day. If we did and you guys, and I still didn't see any, then I'd get a little concerned. So I'm going to give you guys a pass. Uh, but I'd love to see it for next year. Uh, but appreciate all the support. If we, did, if we did somehow show up in year five and you didn't share it out, that's okay. You're one of the few basics that did not um and we appreciate all the support and if you want to get on board and you're new from whether it's the viral thing we have on instagram going or you're in from tiktok we can be found on apple spotify wherever else you get your podcasts and make sure that you're rating and reviewing uh, bef- also make sure we're on speaking of the viral videos yes on social media tabby keg sports on instagram and tiktok uh the Brady video, or not Brady, excuse me, the Rogers video where he's yelling about snapping the fucking ball. It's nearly at 250,000 views on Instagram. It's absolutely wild. I appreciate all the support there. And if you're following along now and you're just like, hey, maybe I'll check out their podcast, uh, that is awesome. Uh, also on TikTok, we've been all right on TikTok. We, we need to do a little more, but you know, hanging in there. Tapping the keg on Twitter, uh, but let's get going, all right? Let's stop talking about socials and everything else. Let's get down to business. Let's talk Packers Bears as we head for another edition of this rivalry. Packers and Bears renew the rivalry on Sunday. It is a noon start. It is with a second tier Fox crew. And it's kind of to be expected, right? Both teams are under 500. The game matters. You can't argue that the game doesn't matter to the fan bases that they want to see a win. Even though Bears are trying to tank and trying to get a top five pick, I know that all the Bears fans would love a win against the Green Bay Packers, especially this version. Everybody else has got one. And now, hopefully, for the Bears, it's their turn. But the thing about the Bears that has annoyed me throughout this whole process of Justin Fields becoming a guy is that the Bears aren't actually winning games. And now you can point to, well, their defense sucks and they've had some mental errors like the Cairo Santos missed extra point, things of that nature. Sure, I I can acknowledge all of that. That said, they haven't been able to get it done. There hasn't been that defining last second drive for Justin Fields. Now, Justin Fields might not play in this football game, but that's one of those things that I've I've sort of honed in on because I'm like, all right, 
I can understand Justin Fields has developed. I can understand that I was probably probably wrong about Justin Fields, right? I thought Justin Fields was not going to be this guy. So I can admit that. But I also can say it he might just be an Instagram quarterback, right? Like I need to see him actually win some fucking games before I'm like, okay, I'm actually nervous about this guy. I think he is a lot to deal with. I think if he plays in this game, which is easily the biggest storyline of, of this one, it creates a lot of issues for Green Bay. But I also don't know if you're going to see the full souped up version of Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is going to play in this football game, I would imagine that he would be limited in terms of what he does from a defensive perspective, like I, I, or offensive perspective, excuse me. I, I just do not imagine you're going to get the full go Justin Fields. And that's part of the reason why I would imagine the Bears hold him out for another game. I I find it very hard to believe that the Bears, even though it's a rivalry game, the Bears are going to just say, all right, yeah, Justin, go out here with a bum shoulder. His hamstrings were a problem. I would imagine that the Bears would want to rest him until he is fully healthy. I'm not saying that they're going to sit him for the rest of the year, but I would I would think that it's, it's going to take the Bears to say he's fully healthy before they're like, oh yeah, go out, th- go back out there in games that don't matter. It's going to be 42 degrees in Chicago on Sunday, which actually pretty nice day for December. The weather today is brutal. Like they're playing playing on a Thursday night. It would be a really cold game, and I think that would incentivize the Bears less in playing fields. But I I, I think they're if he's healthy, they would potentially bring him out there. But I just don't know. I, I you know they've kind of kept it close to the vest. The one thing that is interesting with the Bears' December schedule is it's really difficult after today, after the backers, like they play the Eagles, the Bills in back-to-back weeks. They have the Lions on the road, and then they go back home to play the Vikings. So they play three playoff teams of the last five games, and most of it's at home. So it's not like they're headed to Miami or something, and Fields can you know get play in a warmer climate. Like All of this is going to be cold-weather stuff. So that maybe incentivizes them less to play Justin Fields. I'm not sure. But I, I, I do think he still needs those reps. And we'll have to see if it's Justin Fields or if it's Trevor Simeon. And obviously, if it's Trevor Simeon or Tim Boyle, it changes the dynamic of the football game. Justin Fields isn't the only quarterback that's battling injuries. Aaron Rodgers is as well. Aaron Rodgers feels confident that he is going to play in this football game. Which is not surprising to me. Uh, Aaron Rodgers wants to go down with the ship. We talked about it a lot at the earlier part of this podcast, or early earlier this week on this podcast. And I, I, I think he should be fine, right? Jordan Love looks ready to go if needed. Uh, we saw that against Philadelphia. I'd feel the same way against a poorish Chicago defense. I think Rodgers loves playing against the Bears. I think he likes beating the Bears. I think he takes great joy in it from every comment we've seen besides the I own you shit. Like it, that is a thing that Rodgers loves. And this is probably the worst Bears defense that Rodgers has ever faced. Um, it, I'd have to look back, but I have to believe this is among the worst. And it, it got worse, worser with Eddie Jack. And it was worse or a word more. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. But anyways, it got bad. Things got worse for them with Eddie Jackson going out for the season. So they are really beat up. They have no pass rush. The Packers offense should explode in this game. That's definitely another storyline to watch because I think people kind of lo- lose sight of it be- due to the fact that 
Yes, they gave up 40 points to Philadelphia, but they also scored 33, right? Like, they scored 33 points. They scored 23 with Rodgers. They scored 10 with Love. And they put up 33 points against Philadelphia, who has a solid defense, right? Uh, that at least should be noted. Like, we really should, you know, pay attention to that and say, well, maybe the Packer offense is kind of starting to figure some stuff out, right? This has been a couple weeks with Watson now. Um, you now will get Romeo Dobbs likely back this week. He's practicing. I would assume you're going to see Dobbs back in action. So you're going to have a full-fledged offense to kind of make a run at this thing. And yes, it, I know how just unpredictable or how unlikely it will be that the Packers make the playoffs, but they're going to fight like hell for it. And I know that bothers some fans. And I, I do believe if you're cheering for losses, it's loser behavior. And we can add that to the storyline mix because it is. It, it, you can't do that as a fan, all right? Like, I understand wanting a top pick. I get that. But, like, Baltimore Ravens were 9-8 and eight last year, right? They, they did not play well. They were last in their division. The Ravens got the 14th pick and drafted Kyle Hamilton, who I loved and I thought was one of the best players in the 2022 draft. And so you could still get an impact guy from 10 to 14, right? Aaron Donald was drafted then. Um, other, Rashad Gary was drafted then. Like, there are other great players that, Micah Parsons, like, there are multiple good football players that have been drafted from 10 to 15. So wanting a top 10 pick is loser-ass behavior. And I, I just, I can't do that as a fan. I'm not going, I'm not going to do that. And I feel like if you are going to do that, just go set up Christmas decorations. Don't even watch. We don't, we don't need that type of energy around the Packer fandom. And I, I usually don't tell people how to fan, but this is, this is one of those instances. Um, so yes, I, I think the Packer offense should explode in this one. They should have a great day. The Bears have given up so many points. I think they, they're on a stretch right now. When's the last time the Bears have given up under 25 points? So the Falcons scored 27. The Jets scored 31. Cowboys scored 49. Lions scored 31. So since that Patriots game they where they won 33 to 14, the Bears have given up at least 25 points in the last four games. So yes, it has been track meets. We will talk a little bit about betting with Mitch. Mitch is the biggest better, but, you know, it's our Friday segment. The over-under is 43. Whoa. I didn't realize it was that low. I mean, I assume that's partly due to thinking Justin Fields is not going to play, but I, I, I'd take that. I mean, that's a hammer, hammer play. Also, the Packers are up to a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, which, again, is more sign that Justin Fields probably not playing in this football game. So I would imagine that we're not going to see Fields um, just based on some of the betting lines and some of the betting behavior so far this week. But yeah, I, I mean, those are opportunities for you, uh, definitely. Another storyline would be not to get too excited about Joe Barry if Justin Fields doesn't play. If Justin Fields doesn't play, I, I do think the Packers defense could have a pretty good day, right? Um, I, but I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, Joe Barry fixed everything because again, it's Trevor Simeon. And if they were to struggle against a guy like Trevor Simeon or Tim Boyle, then like, I mean, you'd ask Matt LaFleur, like how much more evidence do you need? And I had some friends who told me like, I think I mentioned this on the podcast earlier this week, but it's like, they're like, you don't need to fire him right now. 
there's no need, right? Like we're this year's over. Just let him play out the year. It doesn't matter. I mean, if the defense completely quits, yeah, maybe you have to just to inspire the troops. But you're not bringing in Vic Fangio for the last four weeks of the season. It's if you're going to make a hire, it's going to be at the end of the year. And why don't you wait and see who could be available? I mean, Evro from Denver could end up being available, and you could right or wrong of two years ago. I just wonder if. Evro is our, our defensive coordinator now, what that would look like and how much better the Green Bay Packers might be at this very moment, um, which is unfortunate, but you can't look back. You can't ask what if. Um, you just kind of have to push forward. I do also wonder about some turf with you know David Bakhtiari and others um, at Soldier Field. Turf's not great there. Um, it is grass, yes, but it's bad grass. And it should be okay, obviously, with the weather being 42. But yeah, you just wonder... A little bit about that as the Packers have had some problems um, with you know bad fields, uh, whether it be Ford Field, whether it be what happened in Buffalo. I just wonder, I wonder if that's going to cause an issue. I also wonder if Devondre Campbell's going to be back, speaking of injuries. I mean, I, I kind of don't get why he wasn't put on IR if he's been gone for basically a month. I, that That's a bad call by whoever that is, whether that's the training staff, whether that is Campbell himself, like... Those are, those are little things. And we talked about Packers being not great on details this year. And that that's one of those where it's like manage your roster a little bit better. And Campbell needed to be more honest, I think, with the team if, if that was the case. Like they they should have shelved him for, for four games. I think this would have been – he this I think he's already missed four, right? Detroit, Tennessee, yeah, Dallas, Philadelphia. So like fucking put him on IR. Like – that that seemed pretty obvious there. So that's that's a miss, but we'll see if we can get Campbell back. And yeah, I, I think it should be a good day for the Packers. I feel pretty good about this one, uh, just given how bad the Bears defense has been. Um, and yeah, if it's not Justin Fields, I don't worry about this being a track beat. And everything tells me it's not going to be Justin Fields. And we'll, we'll have to see what happens. And you lose to Trevor Simeon, man, um, heads got to roll. So I, I'll just... I'll just put it that way. If it, you know, if it happens, which it could, right? It's been an awful year, uh, has, and it knocks you out. And Trevor Simeon knocks you out of the fucking playoffs. You gotta, you gotta do something differently, man. So we'll see what happens. We'll talk a little more about it uh, tomorrow with Mitch. Uh, but yeah, Packers Bears excited to have it back for yet another time and yet another opportunity to beat the Chicago Bears. And I will say this: I'll add this before we leave. It could be the last. Be, you know, opportunity where this game doesn't have a lot of juice in it. If just assuming Justin Fields develops, assuming the Bears get a top top pick, whether it's Will Anderson, whether it's Jalen Carter, whether it is, you know, offensive tackle from Northwestern, they obviously have to trade down for that. But they're going to get a premier player in the NFL draft next season. And there's going to be a lot, a lot of hype around the Chicago Bears and people believing the Bears can be a playoff team next year. I think they're a year away from being a year away. Like I, I just, I do think the field stuff's exciting and you want to kind of ramp up what Justin Fields is, but I think it's two years away. I don't think the Bears are, the Bears have a lot of work to do on that roster. I think they can be better next year. I think they can win eight games, but I think it's ridiculous to expect them to be in the playoffs. It's kind of what people expect. They, they'll have the Lions treatment where everyone will talk about how great they are and Lions are going to get it again next year. That's the fucked up 
thing. Like every year I feel like we're like, all right, let's hype up the Lions. Like it's an annual tradition to hype up what the Detroit Lions can be. And then the Detroit Lions never seem to amount to it. But yeah, next year they're going to get, they might get the top pick in the draft. If the Rams are that bad, well, I don't think the Texans will lose that many games. But they could at least get the second or third pick in the draft from the Los Angeles Rams, which is absolutely fucking nuts. And if they get that pick, either they can draft a quarterback, which I wouldn't. If I were the Lions, I would not draft a quarterback. I would draft more defense. I'd build that defense up. And you could have Aiden Hutchinson, Jalen Carter, and Jeff Okuda, who's had a pretty solid second year after a really rough first year of his his career. And Okuda was a top five pick for a reason, right? So you could have this awesome young defense. And then if you struggle again next year, there's the opportunity of Caleb Williams. And you have that potential to get Caleb Williams. Or you, you I, I think they have multiple Rams picks. I don't know if they have the Rams first in 2024. I'd have to look that up. But yeah, I wouldn't draft a quarterback. So for the for the Bears' sake, right? Like I think that's that's kind of their trajectory next year. And obviously, if they sign some people, but they don't really have a ton of money, right? They they had a lot of cap issues that Ryan Poles had to work and fix, and he has done a pretty good job so far. Uh, but yeah, I think the Bears are like 2024 is really the first year where I wonder if the Bears are going to be the superpower of the NFC North or be a true like contender and the Vikings aren't going away and the Lions I think are going to be a lot better I think that division next year will ultimately collectively be better whether Rodgers or Love is the quarterback I think that'll be a very good division that the Green Bay Packers are going to have to compete with uh, next season and beyond moving on to Chris Middleton's return we'll also talk a little bit about Bucks Knicks from last night should we hand out some golden kegs? Yeah, let's hand out some golden kegs as well uh, for that. So with Chris Middleton, he is apparently going to be back against the Los Angeles Lakers on Friday. Mike Budenholzer did not confirm that. Um, Sham Sharania did say Middleton was projecting to be back against the Lakers on Friday night. And it comes at a perfect time. The Bucks schedule gets very difficult. We talked about that. Earlier this week, the Bucks finished off the New York Knicks in an ugly, gross game, but they won, and they had a 15 and five October November. That is truly impressive. I understand that the Boston Celtics are beating everybody's ass. I know the Boston Celtics offense has been, you know, otherworldly, right? And the people who cheer for the Celtics can't stop coming about the Celtics. And I guess I get it, right? It's kind of an out of body experience at this point where. Every game, they're scoring 140 points. They did it again to the Miami Heat last night. I think they actually scored 134, but it doesn't matter. Like, they're scoring points on points on points. But if you look at, like, some charts here, it's like, yeah, I don't know how, like, sustainable this is. And remember, the Celtics have been mostly healthy. Yes, Robert Williams is out. I actually think, like, this is kind of a zag on the Celtics. But I, I almost wonder, are they better without Robert Williams? right? Like, are they actually, the offense is unlocked because Robert Williams is kind of such a load inside that he kind of slows down the offense. And that actually Boston's better without Robert Williams. Just for an offensive provider, defensively, they need Robert Williams. But I think offensively, it actually helps to not have him on the court. And guys like my dude, Sam Hauser and others, you know, playing, that's more important. And, but anyways, back to the Bucks and why like Middleton matters, but the 15 and five matters is 
This Bucks team did not have their full roster. This Bucks team was down Middleton and Joe Inglis. They were also down multiple games with Yao Giannis, multiple games out Drew Holiday. Like this, this is a good accomplishment for Milwaukee. It's, a, I think, it's a bigger accomplishment than Boston, in my opinion. But as for Chris Middleton and his return, Bucks need the help. It's just going to be a very tough December, and getting Middleton back just takes some of the load off of Giannis. And I think Giannis has done a lot so far this season. His usage rate is absurdly high. Um, and for those who aren't don't follow the NBA or don't understand advanced, advanced metrics, usage rate is just guys with the ball. And Giannis is like 40%. And usually you want to get kind of that 30%. And Giannis has a higher usage rate than Luka. He has a higher usage rate than KD. Like it's, it's the highest in the NBA. Now, as pointed out by my guy Shafty, who's an awesome Twitter follow, Giannis doesn't spend a lot of time with the ball. Even though he gets the ball a lot, he doesn't spend a lot of time with it. Like Luca, he, he pulled that out. Luca has like 10 seconds with the ball, which is crazy and way too much. And I, I just don't, I, I have a hard time with Luca um, in general, but that's a podcast for another time. But, anyways, you hope that the usage rate stuff goes down, right? You, it, usually when you have high usage rate guys, it's not sustainable in the playoffs. And it's too early to worry about that sort of stuff. And when Middleton's back, hopefully those usage rate kind of evens out. Like I think that is like the number one thing to watch. Now, is it going to take time to get Chris Middleton back to full strength? Yeah, I think first two weeks, we can't expect much from mids. It's going to be similar to maybe what we saw against Philadelphia a couple weeks ago with Drew Holiday after the ankle injury, where he comes off the bench, he plays 15 minutes, 16 minutes. You have him there as part of your crunch time lineups if everything looks good. And that's that's sort of how you how you utilize. Maybe not playing back-to-backs, right? Uh, they, they play Charlotte after LA and they have to go to Charlotte. So I, I do wonder, will Middleton sit in that game or to kind of keep him fresh? Would they play him two straight games? Chris Middleton in the past, I, I'm not as worried about this, but I, I just, it, it needs to be mentioned. He's had some trouble, you know, starting. He's been a little slow, a little out of shape. I do wonder if that's going to be a factor for the first couple of weeks of, the, of his return. But still, it, it's a perfect time because, yes, the usage rate for Giannis is out of control. The Bucks are playing more on the road. They haven't been as good of a road team this year. You know, I think yesterday's win was important because I don't think they've really grinded one out. On the, well, that Oklahoma City game they did, but no one was playing. So I, I can't really qualify that one. But this was a grinder that they took care of business and figured it out and did not let it slip away. It easily could have slipped away from the Bucs, and they didn't. And Grayson Allen hits a big shot. Pat Conton, even though he was bad all game, he had two big threes in the fourth quarter. The Bucs came through when it mattered the most, and that's all you want. I would even say the switch flipped. I had tweeted, like, I was like, oh, I hope they flipped the switch in the fourth quarter. They didn't exactly flip the switch, but they were able to get it done, and that's, and that's what matters. And I was really pleased with the victory, even though I had had the over and was like, oh, no one's scoring tonight. And I was like, someone could have let me know that people were going to be hung over. I was like, okay, great. Uh, but that's here and are there. I, I think that the Bucks are going to really benefit from Middleton's return. I think if you can get Joe Ingles back at the end of the month, uh, which has been kind of rumored that it might be around Christmas that Ingles comes back, 
then you're fully loaded heading into the month of January, which I I would qualify personally as like the dog days of, uh, no, I would say late January, early February, heading into the All-Star break, that's really more the dog days of the NBA. But if, yeah, you could be fully healthy, you know, after Christmas and try to make sure that you keep pace with Boston because that's all you're going to have to do. Like we can talk about why Boston might be a little fraudulent right now and, and everything else, but you have to keep pace. And it's they're the two best teams in, ba- in basketball. The West is awful right now. And it's it's really going to come down to Bucks celtics likely in the Eastern Conference Finals. And yet again, the Bucks will be playing the NBA Finals before the NBA Finals. And that's it's a little tough, right? Uh, that's a little difficult. It sucks that you, you have that. But yeah, the Celtics are, are a monster at this point. And I think this helps you compete with them. And hopefully... You don't, there's no setbacks. Hopefully they, you know, Shams was right. I mean, Shams has been wrong before. So it's not like, but he's usually pretty dialed in on this type of stuff. So I would expect we get Chris Middleton back and, you know, that alleviates some of the pressure off Giannis. As for the game last night, I mentioned it was kind of a gutty win and the, the Bucks pulled it out. Uh, as for Golden Kegs, we don't do this as much with the Bucks. We do this more with the Packers, but when we get the opportunity to kind of recap the games and you know who played the best, who played the worst, go from three to one, three being the best, two being pretty average but pretty good. You two, two is kind of one of those. It's very malleable. You can either be like, all right, the two keg means you had a good game. Two keg means you had a back. You kind of had a decent game or good, not great. And then one keg, you just sucked. So here we go. Let's get into it. One keg goes to or three keg, excuse me, goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo, thirty-seven points. Yes, he did shoot 25 shots. Yes, he did foul out. Eight three-point attempts is a lot. Uh, but, you know, I, Julius Randle called him pussy. And he was like, all right, I'm going to show it off. And Julius Randle loves to talk shit to Giannis. I don't know why. He always dominates. But, yeah, 37, 13, and 7. Giannis has been awesome since the latter incident. Um, so that seemed to have woken up the beast. So thank you, Philadelphia, for that. Uh, Giannis has been great ever since that game. Um, and yeah, the follows were a little bit of an issue, but I'm not, I'm not going to worry too much. Nine to 12 from the free throw line is a major number. You're on the road and you're pretty good. And it's a, it was a loud crowd. It was a packed house at MSG as it always is. And Giannis came through and the, the game log has been really impressive for Giannis in the last few games. Uh, this is, has been since the port, since the latter game, 37 points, 36 points, 38 points, 30 37. Also, let's look at the at the free throws. Only nine free throws against Chicago is a fucking joke. I, we were at that game. That was one of the worst officiating games I've watched in a long time in person. Six of nine from the line. 10 of 14 from the line. Eight of 10. Nine of 12. Since that, since the, the Philly game where he was 26%, he was 41% against Portland, but 66, 71, 80, 75. Again, Thank you, Philly. I mean, it, it, it is kind of turned around Giannis's month. And it was a really good month for Antetokounmpo in general. 29 points in 32 minutes, or oh, nearly 30, 29.9, assists, average triple-double, or double-double, and then 5.7 assists. Uh, really good stuff. He did shoot 59% from the free-throw line, 
But a lot of that I would I would take into the rough stretch that he had. You know, in, you know there were there were some bad moments. You know, the Minnesota game he was ten of twenty. Uh, but I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to look ahead. And it looks like we should be heading into another great month for Antetokounmpo. Two kegs goes to Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday was Giannis's Batman or Robin in this game. He had 22 points. Yes, on 19 shots. But Holiday hit some shots when it mattered most. Um, he had the big shot at the end. He also had six rebounds and five assists. Uh, so good stuff from Holiday. Um, he he needed to score. And I know like the the field goal percentages don't look great being 22 points on 19 shots, but the Bucks needed some guys to shoot. Uh, it was a really rough stretch for everybody else. Like everybody else did not play well in this game and you could give it to Holiday. could also give the one to, to Grayson Allen. Even though he only had 11 points on nine shots, he hit the biggest shot of the game. Bucks are tied. Giannis has followed out and Grayson Allen hits a corner three to give the Bucks the lead and the Bucks never lost that lead. And so that that also is equally important. I will maybe split that keg. Maybe that's a split two kegger. Uh, but yeah, you needed Holiday in this one. And Holiday scoring is a noted development. Uh, he Since that ankle injury, he hasn't really... I think this is the first 20-point game in a few weeks, I want to say. Um, this is on the fly. So this is, you know, bad research for me. Oh, I'm right. He hasn't had 20, he hasn't had 20 points since the Minnesota game where he had 29. So this is his first 20-point game. He, you know, was on a heater in that, you know, kind of that stretch for about a week where he had 35, 25, 28, 29. And then it kind of fell off. He had that ankle injury, uh, missed part of the, of the games against Atlanta and didn't play for a week. But yeah, it seems like he's fully healthy and getting going. And that's noted, right? That's a noted development and something, again, to be excited about heading into the month of December. One keg, I will give my one keg goes to Javon Carter. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I, Javon Carter's had some nice games, right? He played well against Dallas. He played well against Cleveland. But then he has three points in 32 minutes. He only shoots the ball twice. He just got it minus 10. Like, you got to have a little bit more out there, right, as a starter. Those are These are the type of games where I'm more on the side of keeping Allen in the starting lineup than Javon Carter. Um, we didn't really talk about that with the Middleton discussion, but this this kind of leans you more towards towards Grayson Allen, and then it's less at George Hill, who did have five points and was plus eleven. But you you do look at it and you say, okay, you give Javon Carter, you know, some of those minutes off the bench, and he gets you know kind of the West Matthews George Hill combination, twenty three minutes there. Like some of that would go to Javon Carter off the bench. Once Chris Middleton is ramped up and ready. But yeah, that's that's a rough day for Carter. And he just needs to be a little bit more involved in the offense. And sometimes I think when it's not working for him or it's just he doesn't feel like it, he just goes away from being an offensive aggressor. And yeah, rough night for Carter. I mean, it was a rough night for a lot of guys, right? Like I could have gave this out to Bobby Portis, who did have another double-double, but he had 10 points on 10 shots. It doesn't seem like Bobby ever has an efficient game from the from the field. Like, he scores and things like that, but it's always a lot of volume uh, for Portis. Pat Conson, yes, hit that big shot. Actually, it was plus 20 when he was out on the court, but he was 10 of 13. He, he did shoot a lot, uh, or he was 10 on 13 shots. Um, so, I, But the plus 20 is notable. Brooke Lopez had a big block at the end, so that's worth, but he had nine points on eight field goals. So, it was a rough night in general for the Bucs. No one scored 
they got it done. It, that's what matters. And we'll look ahead to the Lakers and we'll talk Giannis LeBron on tomorrow's show with Mitch. I have an interesting topic there about, and it's kind of, it sums up the weekend, honestly. So it's a huge week. It's a fun weekend. It's a fun time to do a Friday pod because we have that. We have Badgers, Marquette. We have Bears, Packers. Um, there's just a lot of like interconnected storylines, I think, with all three games. At least I, that's what I think. We'll see what Mitch thinks. Uh, and we'll have a great show for you guys. I think you guys should look forward to that one. And I know we don't usually do Fridays. Unfortunately, our schedules have been a little little tough to connect with doing Wednesday pods, which is what we typically like to do. Um, and maybe we'll get back to it next week. All right. Before we ride out of here, uh, the college football playoff, it officially will be going to 12 teams in 2024. Uh, the big, the Rose Bowl finally agreed to, you know, maneuver and maybe not necessarily play every game at January 1st at four o'clock. Kudos to them for, you know, understanding and getting that this is bigger than them, um, which I, I worried that the Rose Bowl was really going to dig their heels in. I do wonder if somebody, you know, at a high, high level was like, hey, look, we can put this game in SoFi. Right, like we can just go to SoFi or Vegas, right? We can look at Vegas or SoFi, two premier West Coast locations, and put this game here. You could even make an argument that there shouldn't there should be a game in Indy versus you know two in the West. We already have the Fiesta in the Southwest. They're playing ball with us, and if you don't play ball with us, we'll fucking leave. And I really think that that was a discussion for the Rose Bowl. It's like if you want to do Big Ten, Pac-12, in the you know with the third or fourth team in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 because the rest of them will be in the playoffs, go right a fucking hat. But now the questions will remain on how the playoff gets selected. Uh, The question on the schedule is fascinating to me. Conference, I would imagine that conference champion you know ships are still there. I think we talked about this with Fickle, where I was like, I wonder if they're going to get rid of them. But I like, again, it's college football. Are they really going to miss out on opportunities for money? Pat Forty already floated out the idea of the third week in November being sort of the big rivalry weekend and not necessarily Thanksgiving weekend, which is very interesting. And something that we talked about last week where we're like, okay, we're not going to do Ohio State, Michigan on Thanksgiving weekend anymore. It's going to be bumped up. And the question is, is yes, will they have the conference tournament games and then will the playoff playoff games would follow two weeks after? I, I'm interested to know that they're not going to do the semifinals the week of New Year's Day. I feel like you'd basically get the same schedule if you did that, but that would also mean games on Christmas, um, which I... I don't know if they're going to want to do, right? And, and so that's the part of it that I'm, I'm still really interested by. I'm also interested in why would they do the third week and not the second week? I realize getting the guys two weeks to prepare for their quarterfinal opponent would matter. But if you do that second week, you have no issue of going head-to-head with football. And on the 17th, football does have games on Saturday. And so you have that, have that issue. And you're not going to have any worries about Christmas Eve or anything like that, that fourth week any, any further uh, due to the fact that this is this year you have Christmas Eve on a Saturday, but going forward, you will not have Christmas Eve on a Saturday for another five or six years. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'd have to look at, you know, 
future calendars, but it takes a few years before you get back to, oh yeah, this is, you know, 2022 all over again, right? So I will be curious on all of that. Like that's the type of stuff I nerd out on. I love that stuff. Like I love learning about how it all, how the sausage is made and what they, what they decide to do, right? Uh, but we'll have to see. Um, and that will be, that will definitely be interesting and look forward to seeing what comes of, of that. But it's a big win for teams like Wisconsin who, you know, has struggled to get into a four game, four team playoff. I think they have had opportunities to get in a 12 team playoff. If you go back the last few years and the opportunities should be there again with Luke Fickle. And that will be the goal. I don't know if it's realistic to expect 2024, but certainly 2025 or 2026 could be on the table for Wisconsin. And it'll take Fickle a couple of years to build that program, but you never know. Yeah, you get some guys at Transfer Portal and all of a sudden it looks it looks really good. And if we were to do the playoff this year and it were to begin, it, I think the games itself would be interesting, right? And this would be without, you know, the the tournament, right? The automatic qualifiers. And that's the that's the question. The highest ranked champs get automatic qualifiers. So are these champions then conference champions or are they just overall? So like what happens if Purdue wins? Does Purdue get a chance to go in the playoff? I don't I don't think so. It's the highest rank. So right, Purdue would probably be out and then Michigan and yeah, I don't know. I that's the part like I still I still have a tough time understanding like if a team were to lose, like would it be would it be an automatic bid, right? Would there be an automatic bid situation? Like, does Utah get in if they beat USC? Because that's that's the part I I'm wondering about. Uh, but regardless, Georgia would play the winner of Penn State, Clemson. I don't think anyone wants to see Penn State or Clemson in a college football playoff. Both teams are have been known to be fraudulent. Um, it, it would kind of feel like. Either or would not give Georgia a game. Georgia would kind of have a cakewalk into the semifinals. Uh, but you never know, right? And that's, I think, some of the people who are detractors of the college football playoff are like, or the expanded playoff, they're like, we don't want to see a Penn State-Clemson matchup. You'd still watch Clemson going up to Happy Valley in mid-December. Uh, they, they, the ratings would be great for that, right? Ohio State-Tulane you would have David versus Goliath. And Tulane, I would imagine, would give Ohio State a game. But again, it's a team from the South headed up to a Midwest team in Ohio State. And then you potentially set up an Ohio State-USC Rose Bowl. I think the Rose Bowl would look at that and say, all right, yeah, give us USC-Ohio State any day of the fucking week at, as, a automatic, as a qualifier, as a quarterfinal. Alabama, Utah would be a lot of fun, right? Alabama, a chance to get in and play TCU, where there'd be a real path that Alabama could potentially make it into the final. Uh, and Utah would, it fights everybody, right? Utah is not afraid of any team. And they, they certainly could be a factor against Bama. And yes, Utah coming to their second SEC school and as many as in the year uh, they played in Florida at the beginning of the year be a little different in December and maybe that works to Utah's advantage Tennessee Kansas State would be the probably the best chance for an upset right uh, Joe Milton not a real quarterback uh, Tennessee does have a dynamic offense Tennessee was able to do really well against Vanderbilt with Joe Milton so there would be that angle 
But Kansas State is another beast. And Kansas State is similar to Utah, where they fight everybody. Um, they're not afraid of anyone. And so would Kansas State you know, actually be a team that gets in over Michigan? Um, obviously, on Rocky Top, huge crowd, huge environment. That would be, I think, when, from a ratings perspective, Penn State and Clemson would probably be the game that actually your, is like your premier ABC game. I think Tennessee, well, Alabama, Utah would be just big because of Bama. I think Ohio State, Tulane's like your 11 a.m. And then Tennessee, Kansas State is kind of in the middle. So yeah, and that's the other part of this. How do you structure How do you structure the schedule? Usually you have an 11 o'clock game, you have a 2.30 game, and you have a 6.30 game. I would imagine it would be, you'd have one game at 11, you'd have two at 2.30, and then you'd have one at 6.30. And maybe you have one at like nine, you could you you kind of couldn't do that with the guy teams you have. I think if you had you know Utah, or Oregon, for example, hosting, you could potentially look at a later schedule. Maybe you do one Friday, so then you just you have all the attention on one of the teams, and then there's one game Friday. So maybe you know uh, Alabama, Utah's Friday night, and or Tennessee, Kansas State's Friday night, and you have that as a standalone game, and then everything else is you know one at eleven, one at two thirty, one at six thirty. But regardless, I mean, yeah, you set up some fascinating quarterfinal matchups. At Penn State, Georgia, or Georgia Clemson, probably not that exciting. Ohio State, USC, really good. Uh, Michigan, Kansas State, I, I I think that's a football game, right? Like, I, if that's that's who I would have winning, I think that would at least be a fun game. Alabama, TCU, could TCU keep up just this crazy fucking run uh, that they have? Alligator? Like, I I've sold myself more on TCU in the last week or two than I than I ever thought I would. So. I'm excited for it. I understand some of the consternation. I I still look at it and say I think there. I think conference. It's all going to mean more. It's just a question of how does it all get sorted out and what what does that look like and what are the rules of the road and that's the that's the part I'm interested in because I think how it would turn out if if TCU and USC were to lose hypothetically speaking, I think then. Kansas State and Utah would then get the buys, right? I think that's how it would work. I'm not entirely sure on that. Um, and that's the part that I, I guess I would need clarification on. And I think it's all so fluid and we'll we'll know and we'll understand it and then we'll debate it. You know, we'll have one more year of it without it. And then in 2024, it's like, here we go. And that's very, very exciting. All right, I, I know I was going to do something on the Spotify and getting ribbed on it. I am way long on this show. I didn't realize I was 43 minutes in. That's crazy. Uh, so we will end it now. Maybe we'll talk Spotify rap with Mitch uh, tomorrow. So yes, tune in to Tabby and Keg. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.